Welcome to Saving Your Soul with Dolly. I'm Dolly Barker, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, something a little bit different. We're, we're leaving our master text. We understand now that we're a three-part being, and we have a mission, and part of our mission is to live a life of faith. And as we do that, we are literally saving our soul. This is the greatest time in history to be alive. It is amazing the benefits that we have that no other generation in history has had. So I'm very excited about what God is doing. But we're going to talk today about how to win in this battle to save your souls. So in James chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle his whole body. What that's saying is if we could control our mouth, we would be in pretty good shape. It says in verse 3, Behold, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which they be so great, and they're driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, wherever the, the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. I want to stop right there for just a minute and just kind of look at those verses we just read. Because if you notice, it's saying if we could get our mouth under control, we would be perfect. We would be mature. We would be uh, just a true resemblance of the Lord in the earth, just like Jesus was. And, and he gives us a couple of examples here. He says, you put a bit in a horse's mouth, and that way you can control him. Or you've got a rudder on a ship, and you can control the direction both of these huge things are going. One of them's on land, one of them's on water. You know, they've got all kind of differences, but they're both the same. And the fact that you could control either one of them with a very small piece of equipment when you're looking at the size of what you're trying to control. And so... That is the same thing. It says, even so, your tongue, your tongue, which is this little thing in your mouth, is literally deciding where you end up in life. And we don't want to believe that. Because if we believe that, then we have to take responsibility for it. And people say, well, you can't do that. Well, you can do that. And there's a way to do it. But we have to learn what it is. You know, the church has basically decided that all you need to do is get saved so you can go to heaven and not worry about anything here on the earth. They're actually praying for the Lord Jesus to come. When Jesus's prayer on the earth before he left the earth was, Father, um, keep them in the earth. <laughs> you know, this is where we were created to live. The Lord is not in a big hurry to get us into heaven. If that was the case, he would have just took us all a long time ago. He wants us to have dominion and live successfully here. He wants to have a relationship with us, and he wants us to help us do that. So we have to figure out how to live here successfully. We have to grow up, and we have to take responsibility for what we're doing, because as long as it's somebody else's fault, it is impossible for you to be successful. You cannot be successful if it's the president's fault, because no matter what you want or no matter what you do, Somebody will get in the president's office that doesn't like you or you don't like them. And the next thing you know, well, now all of a sudden you can't be successful because somebody else has power over you. Or maybe, you know, you think, well, I can't be successful because I'm married to the wrong person. Well, what's going to assure you that if you got a divorce and married somebody else, it's going to be the right person now. 
Here again, you're giving all the power for your life into the hands of somebody else. Well, do you know that Jesus, the Father God himself, will not do anything in your life against your will? You and you alone get to decide where you're going to go and what you're going to do. And so that's important for you to recognize that you have that kind of power. Because once you recognize the power that's available to you, if you will take responsibility for where you're at and get the Lord involved in it and try to learn his ways and follow his lead, you can be successful. But we all get to make choices. He's telling us here that our tongue is a very important factor in determining where we end up. None of us got to choose our starting point. But all of us get to choose the finish line that we cross. So I want to just encourage you. This is a positive. When you figure something out like it's our responsibility or this is our fault, this is a great thing because it puts you in the driver's seat. If you haven't ended up where you would like to be at this point, it's okay because because you are responsible and have the authority to do something about it, you can change where you end up next time you evaluate your life. So this is a very big positive. Okay, let's look at verse 6. It says, The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and set on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and bird and serpent and things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. For it is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Wow. Okay. So here he's telling us that our tongue is going to determine where we're going to end up. But then the next thing you know, it's saying, you know, we can tame these beasts and these birds and these snakes and these, these, all these things. You know, I've, I've been to SeaWorld. I've seen, you know, whales jump through hula hoops and I've seen, um, you know, dogs twirl a ball or, or an elephant, stand on something that doesn't seem like it's possible. You know, I mean, we've seen all these animals be tamed, but we can't tame our own tongue. Now, that's what it's saying here. And so it seems like a contradiction. You're in charge of where you end up, and your tongue is responsible for it, but you can't control your tongue. So, you know, a normal average person that just looks at the Bible and reads that would say, oh, this is gibberish. He's contradicting himself. Anytime you feel like the Bible's contradicting itself, all that screaming is you need the Holy Spirit to enlighten the scripture for you so that you can get a revelation because you're not seeing something the way it's supposed to be seen. Okay, so if you look over in verse 8, the tongue no man can tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. So he says here, Therewith we bless God, even the Father, and curse we men, and they're made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a fountain send forth at the same place um, sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain yield both salt, water, and fresh? But who is wise among you and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of the good conversation of his works with meekness of wisdom. 
But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Because that kind of wisdom is descends not from above, <coughs> sorry, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So he's saying here, we go around and we bless God with our mouth. And the next thing you know, we're cussing out a guy. We're cursing mankind. And mankind is made after the similitude of God. So we shouldn't do that. You can't have bitter water and sweet water both coming out of the same fountain. So what are we to do? How are we supposed to ever get in control of our mouth? Well, you know, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, so we must have all kinds of things going off inside of our heart. We must have evil things and good things. We must have, there's a war going off inside of us. The Apostle Paul describes it like this. He says, those good things that I want to do, I don't do them. And those bad things that I don't ever want to do anymore, I keep doing them. He said, there's a war going off inside of me. He, he understood there's a battle. You have a flesh and you have a spirit. And now your soul is in the middle of the two. And your soul has to decide, who am I going to follow today? Who am I going to submit to today? Because if your spirit is in control of your life, you're going to line up your soul with your spirit. And you're going to be at one with God. And only blessings and good things are going to be coming out of your mouth. If you spend time with God, submitted to Him and seeking Him, you're going to realize how much you're loved. Well, loved people have love to give. You know, hurting people are the ones going around hurting people. When you see somebody that's doing something, you know, hateful or hurtful, they are hurt. They are hated. They, they have not received the love of God. I don't care if they're born again. That is, you know, there's a lot of babies in a maternity ward. And we don't expect a whole lot out of them because they're babies. They're, they're, they've never grown up. They haven't, they haven't matured yet. We're not expecting them to act a certain way. But if I walk into a high school classroom and there's a bunch of teenagers sitting in that room, um, I'm expecting them to be mature, a lot more responsible and capable of the babies in the maternity ward. We have to grow up. We have to, we have to look at what's going on and we have to decide what should we do to improve our life? What should we do to please the Lord? What should we do to grow and to save our soul and, and to do the things that are pleasing to the Father? But we don't do those because of lack of knowledge. You know, I'm, I'm convinced of this. Everybody's as good as they know how to be. If, if anybody is going to get better than they currently are, they're going to have to want to. And they're going to have to learn how to do something different than what they're currently doing. You say, okay, so out of our heart flow these issues of life. So you've got, if your heart is full of hatred, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. If your heart is full of fear, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. But if in your heart you're fully persuaded that no matter what's going on around you, it's working out for your best interest, then you'll be able to stay at peace even if the rug's trying to get ripped out from underneath you. It's important that you know that. So you say, okay, well, so that's great. So my tongue is connected to my heart, and my heart 
is going to determine what comes out of my mouth. And so how can I do that? Well, I can't control my tongue. If I just try in the natural, I say, okay, I'm going to watch my mouth. I'm not going to say anything else. Some, I heard a preacher say one time, they said, every time something comes out of your mouth, you should add on a sentence right after it that says, and that's just the way I want it. So like, if you are struggling financially and you say, man, I'm so broke, then you need to say, and that's just the way I like it because that's what you're speaking. So that's where you're going to end up staying. And so you just say, and that's how I like it. Or man, I feel horrible today. And that's just the way I like it. Because again, you're speaking it and that is what you're about to have more of. But if you say, man, I am so blessed and favored. And that's just the way I like it. See, all of a sudden, you want to start trying to fix the words you're saying. And so people get on a kick and they think, well, I'm just going to, I'm not going to say anything wrong. Man, I have tried that so many times. And I'll do good for a season. You can control your outside circumstances for a season. You know, when people start coming to church, they're so worried about what they should wear. We, we don't have a dress code. We do ask you to wear something. You know, we have a joke around here. We don't want to... If you come in here naked, you're going to be a distraction to somebody. So we do want you to wear something, but we don't care. Wear shorts, wear jeans, wear a dress, wear a suit. You be comfortable and, and wear what you can wear, what you would like to wear to church, and, and come and start trying to learn and grow. What happens is, if the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, how can we stop it from speaking things we don't want? When I'm trying to do it in the natural, it's like I take a tree and I'm producing oranges. I am an orange tree. I'm an orange tree in my roots and I'm producing orange tree, oranges. And I decide, oh, I'm going to go to church. Well, they don't like people there that have oranges. I'm going to take all these oranges off and I'm going to, I'm going to cut those branches off and I'm going to just tape some apples on me. So they'll accept me and I'll go in there and I'll be an apple tree like they are. Well, that's not going to last because your tape's going to fall off. The apples are going to fall. But the worst part about it is you're still an orange tree in your root system. And so the next season that comes up, you didn't do anything to take away the fact that you're an orange tree. You just pruned the tree. When you prune a tree, it comes back bigger and stronger than it was the first time. So now you're trying to serve the Lord and you're having to cut off twice as many branches. You're having to, you know, you cannot do it. Eventually, the truth is going to come to the surface because whatever you are inside of you is going to come out of your mouth. I can control my mouth when I want to in a controlled environment. But like when people are on a plane and it's going down, you know, they're not being hateful then. They're all saying, Jesus, you know, I mean, what, what's in your heart? Some of them are cussing. Some of them are carrying on throwing fits, you know, because whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth when you get squeezed. If, if, if you are an orange, when we run over you, orange juice is coming out. We're not going to get apple juice if you're an orange tree. And so it's very hard for you to control your mouth and think you're going to just do this because that would be an act of the flesh. If you have to control yourself in the flesh, then you're going to have to be righteous in the flesh, which produces self-righteousness, not God's righteousness. 
And so it's, it's all messed up. But that's what the devil tries to make you think you have to do. He's trying to tell you, well, you got to be better than this. You can't go to church with them. Look at you, man. you got problems. Look at what you did. Don't you remember what you did? You know, you have to go ahead and come to church. Because if you don't get near God, if you don't draw close to the Lord, you're not going to ever get victory over the situation. Nobody at church is expecting you to be perfect when you come in. At least not at our church. I mean, there may be some churches out there. And if that's how they are, well, then that's not the right place for you. So get in church and get around the Word of God. Because what happens is the Bible says repentance is the axe laid at the root. So what happens is you'll decide, I don't want this in my life anymore. I wish I didn't do this. Man, I wish I could change that. Now, you're going to decide this. You and the Lord. Don't let a preacher tell you what. You got to do this. You got to quit this. You got to quit that. You got to do this. You got to quit that. Don't let people put their um, their thoughts on you. Don't let them put their uh, belief system on you. You are. Once you're born again, you have a relationship with the Lord. Now, what as God's leading you and walking you through this life, He's going to have confirmation come to you. He's going to have Christians um, say things to you, and you're going to say, Oh my God, that's exactly what I was thinking. Because it's the Lord confirming the word. So you just start drawing close to God, and He'll change some things that are inside of your heart. And and it'll He'll take those things out of you. And then He'll sow the good things in you. While you're listening to an anointed preacher, how can they hear without a preacher, the Bible says. You go and you hear a preacher, and he's speaking words of life and hope and good news, and that word is getting sown in your heart. The next thing you know, those good words are taking up root, and the next thing you know, they start growing a tree. Now, this is a process. You don't get a seed sown in you one day and have a tree produce the next. I mean, God can supernaturally help you get some things going pretty fast. But on basic, normal stuff, you know, there's going to be a couple of season changes in here that go along. It's okay. Just be patient. Be patient. The trial of your faith works patience. God wants you to be patient. And he wants you to, because there's a work he's doing in you. This is bigger than just, you know, wishing and hoping. He's doing something in you to not only change who you are, but he's delivering you from who you used to be. And he's providing for you who you're going to be. And there's so much going on inside of your life. So, so be patient. Establish your hearts. Um, that's, that's over in James, um, was it five? Let me see. Eight. Be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draws nigh. We want to get our hearts established so that the good things come out of our mouth. And it's going to be powerful. Um, again, the air conditioner just kicked on right here in the middle. I'm so sorry. It's kind of loud. But um, we're going to keep on talking anyway. Um, so what I was talking about, though, with your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, the Bible tells us, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Whatever you're making deposits of in your heart, that's what's going to be there. That's what's going to produce trees. That's what's going to produce the words that are coming out of your mouth. That's one of the most important reasons why you want to be in church. You want to read your Bible. You want to be around believers. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, boring, you know, I'm talking, you can still have a life, but I'm just talking about getting around the Word of God. The Word of God would be sown in your heart. If you sit around all night long and watch horror movies and things like that, that's, you can do that if you want to. You have a will. You're not going to go to hell over that. But here's the problem. The problem is, even if you're not afraid of the movies, there's something about it that entertains you. You're sowing those seeds into your life. You're sowing those things. And so somewhere down the line, those things are going to manifest in your life. And you're going to have produced it yourself. Because whatever you fill yourself up with, that's what you're speaking. And whatever you're speaking is what you're producing. Um, this is totally scriptural. You're made in the image of God, and he spoke his entire world into existence. And in the New Testament, everything that Jesus said, look over in Mark 11. And this is the, you know, I know everybody's like, oh, this is a faith scriptures. Yes, it is. Because we're living a life of faith. I'm not just talking about um, name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and all those little things that the devil makes up to try to detour God's children from understanding what the Word says and believing what the Word says. This is what the Word says. This is actually red letters. Jesus said this himself. It says in Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus answered and said, Have faith in God. Now what he's talking about, he had just, the day before he had cursed a fig tree, he spoke to that tree and said, No one's ever eaten from you again. And the next day when they're coming back by, the tree was dried up from the roots. And Peter said, Hey, Lord, look, the fig tree you cursed, it withered away. And Jesus said, Have faith in God. Have God's kind of faith is what that actually translates out to be. For verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and will not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. So the things that you desire, the things that you want, as you pray and ask God for those things and believe that he heard you and that he's doing those things for you, as you do that, you literally get to have everything that you said. Now, it seems like, well, that's so easy. Why then am I not getting all these things that I want? Um, Well, because you don't stay in faith. You say it, And you believe it when you're saying it, when you're praying and you're asking the Lord. You do say it in faith. You do believe it. And it's on its way. But what happens is, from the time you say it until the time it manifests, the enemy is going to come and steal that word. He has a million ways to do it. Well, he really doesn't have that many ways, but he's got a lot of ways. Some of them temptation. Some of them he'll use shiny things, distractions. Sometimes he'll use offense. Like he'll get somebody at the church or somebody to say something hateful to you. And the next thing you know, you're all offended and mad and you're not going back over there anymore and you've got this problem. Well, now all of a sudden your love walk is out the door. So when all that starts happening, he's still in the word. Oh, that didn't work. Look, you still don't even have it. It, it's already yours. 
when, when you ask for it, God's already done it. He knew you were going to ask for it before you asked. And he's already prepared it. But he needs you to hang on a minute because the trial of your faith, that's the trial that you're going to go through to decide if you believe what you said or not, is the determining factor of how fast these things come into your life. And the beautiful thing about it is you're not on trial. Your faith is. Can you believe God? And here's the thing. You know, I used to think, well, it's hard to believe God. Well, that was because my faith was so weak because I didn't have any faith. The Bible tells us faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That hearing by the word of God, that's a continuous action verb hearing. And it means hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. Finally, one day I realized, you know, the enemy may be stealing the word from me, but he doesn't have patience or long suffering or he doesn't have the fruit of the spirit. And I do. If I continue to build my faith and I stay trying to increase my faith, I will outlast him. He cannot compete with that. And and people, you might not believe me, but I'm telling you what I do. I have declarations. I go through the Bible every single day and I declare all my declarations. I speak the things over my life that I want to see happen. I put on a preaching tape when I fall asleep. And maybe you can't do this one. I'm just giving you some ideas. But I put on a preaching tape when I'm falling asleep. And I listen to great preachers of faith the whole time I'm sleeping. Because they're feeding my spirit. My spirit man is getting stronger and stronger every night when I go to bed. When I get up in the morning and I'm putting on my makeup, I got me a teaching tape playing. Or at least praise and worship music. Something that's feeding me. Something I think is scriptural praise and worship music. You know, I go to church. I hang around with other believers. So while we're talking and and cutting up or whatever, people are speaking the word of God. And I'm hearing things and my faith is just stronger and stronger. The stronger you get your faith, the easier it is to stand. That's just like as a person in the natural trying to grow up. If you're a baby, you're not very beneficial to the house yet. You know, I mean, when you're a baby, I mean, we love you. Oh my gosh, we're so excited to have you because we we just love you. You're just so precious. God has just joined another wonderful person to our life and we're very excited about it. But you're not really an asset. In the beginning, you're a liability. I mean, you're costing people their sleep. You're costing diaper money and pediatricians and formula and all, you know, just whatever. I mean, it's just stuff. But eventually, you learn how to, to, to participate. You learn, you get a little bit skilled. You get a little of this. You get a little of that. And well, oh, wow, look, can you pick up these clothes and put them in the laundry room? Thank you. You know, hey, hey, can you take this dish and go put it in the sink? I mean, and all of a sudden, this child starts becoming an asset to society. That's because they're maturing. Well, there's so many Christians that are running around still being babies, and they've never learned how to do any simple, small tasks. You know, if if we were all just born and stayed in the hospital and just hung out there until we died so someday we could get to heaven... That wouldn't be a very fulfilling life. And even though you become a contributor to the plan here on the earth 
And all of a sudden, you become this great asset, and you, you know, we really get to enjoy the benefits of who you are and your gifts and your callings and your talents and all these things, you know. You get the benefit of it because you get to experience the life that you wanted to have. You know, if you just stayed in that bed and never developed and never got potty trained and never got off the bottle and never, you know, you would never be satisfied because you would not be fulfilling your purpose on the earth. I mean, it benefits you and all of us for you to figure out who you are. That's why there's no jealousy. There's no competition. You're the only you on the planet. You're the only one of you that could possibly do any of the stuff that you're called to do. And so it's, it's not a matter of that. We want you to become everything God's called you to be. You know, if the pinky is operating and functioning fully as a mature, dependable pinky, then we have something we can work with. But if the pinky is just still going to sit there and never learn, never grow, never develop, never become useful, and it's just it starts just drawing up and atrophy sets in or whatever, you know, then the whole body is hindered because your part's not being fulfilled. And so, and, and you're miserable. You are miserable because you are literally at the mercy of whatever happens. Kind of like... Peter's going to walk on the water. He was doing great until he saw the wind and the seas. And then he started sinking. I didn't know that winds and the waves were the problem that kept you from being able to walk on the water. Every time I ever tried to walk on the water, just like my husband said the other day, it was on our swimming pool. I'd just walk off the sidewalk and, and try to walk on the water. And I sunk every time. There were no waves and there was no big strong winds. So why did Peter sink? Because he, was, he had a little bit of faith. He didn't have enough faith. And so the, the benefit to having faith is you can do things like walk on the water. You know, in a spiritual sense. I mean, natural too. Jesus did it in the natural. You could, I'm supposing. But in the unseen realm, there's times when you're going to be walking on the water. God's got powerful things for you to do. And I want to encourage you. You're going to have to figure out how to keep your mouth under control. And the way you're going to do that is by getting your heart under control. Guard that heart with all diligence. Don't let people just speak horrible, hateful things to you all day long. Don't sit in front of a TV or in front of a anything and just veg out and just let whatever the world comes up with just feed you and stuff you full of all these negative things, all these emotional things, all these dysfunctional things, because then you have to overcome them. You know, if you're going to watch TV, watch something that's wholesome. Watch something that's going to edify you and build you up. Guard your heart, because if you'll put the right stuff in, the right stuff will come out. But if you put garbage in, garbage is what's going to come out. And, and I'm telling you, it's fine. You have a will. You can do what you want to do, but it's going to, it's going to affect you in a negative way. And, you know, and as of today, you know, it's not God's fault. You're where you're at. We all want to blame God. We all want to blame our parents. We all want to blame our circumstances. I haven't ever met anybody that didn't have an excuse 
of why this wasn't gonna why they weren't gonna be successful. I have never met another human being that didn't have something that they felt like they could use to disqualify themselves from becoming everything that God's called them to be. We all have opportunities. The devil will make sure you have someone to blame so that you can sit on the couch and do nothing with your life. I'm telling you, this is not the time to do that. The Lord is coming back soon. And when he comes back, Jesus said, will I find faith? And I'm saying, absolutely, yes, you will, Lord Jesus, because the church is going to grow up and we're going to become everything that God's called us to be. We're going to be powerful. We're going to run this country. We're going to run the world. We're going to stand up and take our place. We're going to be a light and a hope and a future, and we're going to be the answer to all the problems that the world is facing right now. And God's about to do a quick work. So even though the hour is late, if you come on now and get in the harvest field and start joining in with what we're doing, you'll get the same reward for the people that have been in the field working for a long time. Listen, we would love to see you end up on top in every area of your life. Amen? Listen, I'm so glad that uh, you, you listened today, and I'm sorry about that loud air conditioning every week, but I'm going to try to get that turned off good before I get on here next time. But listen, I'm really grateful for you. And I want to see God's best come to pass in your life. If you have any prayer requests or anything like that, you can text me, 936-355-3399. We love to pray for people because God moves and answers our prayers, and we love to hear praise reports. Amen? Okay, well, praise God, and we will talk to you next time, and you have a blessed week. Bye!